0: Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. Uh, while we wait for Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey Sr., I want to thank the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, and SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. They own uh, African Lounge in the Mountain, uh, and the Mountain Room Bar on Concourse A at SeaTac. Uh, we got a lot of things that's happening. We're going to be talking with a number of people today. Uh, It's holiday season, and naturally, uh, uh, the uh, Girlfriends, the Seattle chapter of the Girlfriends Incorporated, are going to be having their big event. It's called uh, Stepping Out to Paint the Town Red. That will be happening on Saturday, December 2nd at the Hyatt. We'll be talking to Judge Judy, Judith Hightower Mills, and Dr. Kimberly Bell, two of the girlfriends, Seattle girlfriends. And we'll also be hearing again from Virgo Jordan. And uh, you know that on uh Saturday, uh, the, this Saturday at the Royal Esquire Club, there's going to be an event honoring former mayor Norman B. Rice. And uh, uh, KL Shannon will give us an update on what's happening with the Seattle King County Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition. Uh, we'll also be getting some information on Uh, the Opportunity Fair, which is a part of that event right now. And then we'll be talking to Reginald Robinson, the owner of Alta's Louisiana Seasoning and Spices. Uh, They're at 201 East Meeker Street in Kent, Washington. And uh, they have some dynamic dishes. Uh, You can get anything from shrimp and rich to gator filet. I know a lot of my folks from Louisiana, where I'm from, but the northern part, we did not eat much gator. But down in uh, the southern part of the state, uh, that was a delicacy that many people consume. Uh, so I must say I'm a little disappointed to hear back from Merrick Garland's office once again, uh, we have a hard time getting the Attorney General to investigate discrimination against African-Americans. Why that's happening, I don't know, but that's one of the questions I'll be asking Congressman Hank Johnson, who is a ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, and he and uh, Bobby Scott is the ranking member of the House Educational Labor Committee. Between the two of those folks, we like to have them have a hearing to make sure that uh, they understand what's going on and understand our grievances. And as the old saying goes, the numbers don't lie. And uh, if you're not participating, it's obvious something is wrong with the system. And uh, we have done very poorly. And for whatever reason, Attorney General Mary Garland and Christine Clark, the Associate Attorney General for Civil Rights, seems to think that only the Department of Transportation has issues, but we provide them with the numbers to prove that there was rampant discrimination against African-Americans attempting to do business with Washington State. When you're talking about doing 0.18% in 2021 and 0.22% in uh, 2022, it's obvious there are some serious problems. Another reason why we lost the Central Area because of the fact we did not have have primitive action in the state for like 23 years. And uh, even with uh, the governor signing the executive order, uh, it didn't do us much good because we went from 0.18 to 0.22. Uh, so I think we're going to have to go ahead and, and put up uh, Roberto Jordan uh, right now, Eric, uh, while we wait for uh, a Congressman, uh, uh, wait for uh, Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey, the Black Dollar Days Task Force, Clean Greens Farms and Market, and their event is coming up on Saturday as well. And that is uh, the annual Lottie Cross, uh, the Clean Greens annual Lottie Cross Harvest Dinner Fundraiser, which will be happening on Saturday uh, at uh, 4916 Rainier Avenue South. So uh, while we went on Reverend Jeffrey, we spend some of uh, uh, the dynamic Roberto Jordan from the Royal Esquire Club's message for a while. Roberto Jordan, president of the Seattle's Royal Esquire Club. And uh, they have a big event coming up on Saturday, November 18th. Uh, it's going to be a black tie or semi-formal event. And uh, Roberto Jordan, what will be happening on the 18th at the club?
1: Uh, first of all, Eddie, thanks for uh, having us here. And um, uh, on the 18th, we are going to have our what we call our black and gold ball. Um, it's uh, our, kind of our the final big ball uh, of the year. And we are going to be honoring um, Mayor Norm Rice. Um, as you know, Mayor Norm Rice was the uh, first African-American mayor uh, in the uh, city of Seattle. Um, and, he, and he's done a, a whole lot of other things. And we're going to have uh, the Mayor uh, Bruce Harrell that will be talking about him and his accomplishments there at the um, at the event. Um, it's going to like Eddie said it'll be uh black tie semi-formal event uh, we're going to have food from Island Soul uh, we'll be catering the event um, musical guests are going to be Michael Powers <clears throat> and then we'll have a DJ G-Man that we'll be having so that we can uh, party afterwards we also announce our um, Mr. Esquire who's uh, kind of the, the man of the year um, and it's a, uh, an event that we're raising uh, funds for our our scholarship program that will be giving away scholarships next year. Normally, we've had four signature events that we do due to COVID and everything else like that that kind of got put on hold, but we're going back to doing that and we'll be making um, uh, substantial scholarship uh, donations um, next year. Uh, It's going to start about 5.30. It's going to start about 5.30 and uh, go on till about midnight. Uh, you can get your tickets for this at uh, ticketleap.com and it's under the Royal Esquire Club or black and white or black and white um, ball. Um, you can come to the club you can buy the tickets buy the tickets in person there. go to our website RoyalEsquireClub.com, and you can also get tickets there and uh, it ought to be a great great event.
0: And uh, people just want to make a contribution and not go to the event because there is some scholarships so they could just go to the website and make that contribution as well
1: yes you can go to the website and there is a, a donate donate button that's there um you can donate and uh just put in there that you like to donate to the scholarship fund and um you can do that um there's flyers that are around uh facts newspaper has a has a flyer that's out with the qr code on there put the qr code on your camera and you're able to buy tickets uh straight from there Our website will have the QR code. And um, so we'll try to make it easy for you to um, uh, be able to do that. For those of you that haven't been there, the Esquire Club is newly remodeled. Um, uh, It's not your old Esquire Club the way you used to know it. If you were there 15, 20 years ago, you'll be surprised and uh, delighted with the way that uh, uh, the club's been changed. I remember when it was on 14th and Washington in the (laughs) house where Bailey Gasser is now. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, you know, uh, Eminent Domain, they had to get rid of that building because of Bailey Gasser. And so, uh, which brought us to um, 5016, Rainier Avenue South, where we are um, doing the Royal Esquire Club there. So, yes, we'll have a good time. Don't forget, we're going to be doing, we're going to be starting uh, December 1st, we'll be selling tickets for the New Year's Eve ball too. So, um, we'll be doing New Year's Eve This year, it'll be a a fun event. We'll have a lot of good things and fun things for you to do there also to bring in 2024. Now, when did the Royal Esquire Club start? We started in 1948. um, And there were five brothers that had got together and, you know, due to racial discrimination and and, uh, all the strife and stuff that was going on then, they couldn't get into places. They couldn't have entertainment. So they went ahead and started a a club themselves. Uh, they started in a um, a lawyer's office downtown on on First Avenue, and then end up getting the house on Fourteenth in Washington, um, and then
0: it's just it's
1: grown from there.
0: I remember hearing the stories about the late Burt Williams uh, leading a caravan down to Olympia. Because they were denying a liquor license, and I guess uh, Bert Williams and the group came back with a liquor license. Yes,
1: yes, they, it was, was it actors. was. Yeah, and and that's a true story. They just could not get a a liquor license from the state. They actually uh, went down with a with a group of folks and um, uh, did did a demonstration and and um, and you know when you know they say when you complain that you it doesn't do any good. Well, in this instance, it did do some good. And they were able to um, get a liquor license that's been in place ever since. So you know you're yeah, kind of under a microscope line. when you aren't aren't really, they really don't want you to have a liquor license in the first place. So you're kind of under a microscope. So you have to make sure that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed when you're, when you're doing that. So we're very careful, even to this day, when our liquor license, will be, we're very careful.
0: And yeah, that's great. So we got a couple more minutes. So let's uh, reiterate once again, The celebration for Norman B. Rice on uh, Saturday, the 18th. And uh, uh, the the meal will be uh, catered by Island Soul, which is uh, down the street. Okay, well, we have uh, Reverend Jeffrey has joined us right now. So we will go to him to talk about his event, uh, which is called the Clean Greens Annual Lottie Cross Harvest Dinner. So, uh, So, Reverend Jeffrey. I'll go right Hello, ahead and Eddie. share that information with our listening audience.
2: Hello, Eddie. How you doing?
0: Uh, doing great, sir.
2: But um, I'm thank, th- thank, you for this time.
0: Yes, sir. Go right ahead and share with our listeners. Okay. I, I work um, with Lottie Cross and newer. On this uh, Saturday um, at um, at six o'clock,
2: uh, we'll be celebrating our our um, our annual Lottie Cross Harvest Dinner. And uh, it's going to be uh, located at um, at the um, at the theater on uh, Rainier. I'm trying to get the name of the theater right quick. Um,
0: Is it the Columbia City?
2: Columbia City Theater. Yeah. Well, it's the one owned by Rainier, Rainier, Rainier Avenue Radio World.
0: At okay. Columbia City.
2: Columbia City Theater. Yeah. So we'll be we'll be there, and we'll be celebrating. Uh, the, uh, I think it's the 18th annual uh, Lottie Cross, was it's the third annual Lottie Cross named after her, Harvest Dinner. Um, the, our speakers are going to be um, Donna Modi of Urban League um, and uh, Chef Arif Abdullah of uh, Feed the People. And we will be celebrating with our youth, our youth farm, the Rainbow Youth Farm, um, and the achievements on the Rainbow Youth Farm. As well as uh, we had over 30 youth uh, who worked in the Rainbow Youth Farm this year, as well as the the, the traditional uh, farm in Duval, Green Greens Farm, um, where we gave out uh, fresh vegetables through the year to uh, the poor community and to those in need. Uh, there would be music and, and games for the children. Also, we'll be uh, at this event highlighting our product line we're beginning a product line from clean greens we uh we have bees we've already uh, uh we purchased bees a couple years ago and now we'll be releasing uh clean Green, clean greens honey we'll be selling it at the, at the event and and people can can buy the honey uh which comes directly from our community and then uh we'll also be introducing a new product that we'll be doing in the future salad uh clean greens salad mix as well as uh, about four kinds of clean greens teas that will be coming out in 2024.
0: Well, that's, that's congratulations. That's that's what economic development is all about, and also making sure people are eating and drinking healthy. So yeah, congratulations, that, oh, Reverend Jeffrey.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and producing our own, starting from the ground floor, and producing our own stuff, so that uh, we we have total control over the product as well as the, the product productivity. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that's what we're trying to model. That's what we're trying to build a model for that.
0: Okay, well, congratulations. I mean, that's, uh, but you know, with Black Dollar Days Task Force, you've been a, a staunch advocate for uh, African-American participation in the economy and uh fantastic idea for the Clean Greens farm and uh, market. Uh, and now coming up with some labels for your own products, I think it's fantastic. So yeah, once again, that will the be Lottie Cross Award. the Lottie. Okay, that's great. So yeah. once again, that will be Saturday, uh, Saturday at six o'clock. Yeah, I think ahead, so.
2: Scott. I think it's six. Yeah.
0: Okay, six o'clock at the Columbia City Theater, which is going to be at forty nine, uh, the forty nine thirty six Rainier Avenue South.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Eddie. Okay, thank you, sir. We
0: really appreciate what you're doing in the community. We really appreciate you.
2: Well, I really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to to let people know uh, what's going on with us.
0: Okay, and and we want to keep people posted as you uh, go along uh, this path of uh, this self-sufficiency and economic development and and giving people nutritious food. Uh, So we want to make sure that uh, you're on every very step of the way. So thank you very much, Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey, thanks, thanks, thanks who is the pastor of New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, first and foremost, and doing everything else. Uh, so you got his, uh, his hands. he need, every, I guess every finger on both hands are busy. So thank you, sir. We appreciate you. I appreciate it, Eddie. Thanks. All right, now. Okay, our next guest is K.L. Shannon, the vice chair of the Seattle Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition. I always say Seattle-King County. But uh, anyway, K.L., why don't you give us an update on what's happening with the committee? This year, the uh, holiday is on January 15th on uh, Dr. King's actual birthday. So, K.L., Shannon, Vice Chair, go right ahead and give us an update.
3: Yeah, Eddie, always happy to uh, come onto your show and talk about um, the annual MLK event. So we're up and going. Um, We're meeting every other Tuesday. From six thirty to eight PM, um, mostly by Zoom. Hopefully, we will be meet, uh, start meeting uh, in person uh, closer to the event. I, I think the ultimate ask that I have is that you know we really need uh, folks to uh, come and participate in the subcommittees. We need you know people on the program committee, logistics. You know we have volunteer committee. We have outreach, we have food committee. So um really would love to have uh more participation from you know from community folks. Um so that's where we are right now. How can people how can community people get information, Kale? Um they can go to the to the um MLK website, they can, you know, they can contact me, um or are are you uh to um to participate uh in the program in the uh committee as well as you know if you have folks that you think would be great for the program the day of the program uh please get those names to us um entertainment we're looking for entertainment we're looking
0: for speakers and they can go to SeattleMLKCoalition.org for information yes yes okay Mm-hmm. So you get an idea of what's going on, and can they also uh, sign up for committees on on the website, Kale? They can,
3: uh, I believe so. Yes, they can okay. sign up for committees. You know, we have a number of committees: workshop, as I was saying earlier, workshop program, outreach, food committee, volunteer. So we need, you know, so we need people, you know, to be part of those committees and and be part of the planning committee as well. And again, the planning, you know, we meet every other Tuesday. So I think the next meeting would be on the 28th, 6.30 to 8 p.m., and it's over Zoom.
0: Okay. And we'll have somebody on uh, the committee. We'll have somebody on the Opportunity Fair. And we we'll like to have people on from the various committees on every week until January 15th. So, Kel, yes. thank you very much for the update today. And I'm sure we will see and hear you again before January Okay, I appreciate okay. you. Okay, okay, thanks, Kale. Thank appreciate you, everyone.
3: Okay, bye. All right.
0: Okay, now. Okay. Okay, my next guest is uh, two members of the Seattle Chapter the Girlfriends, Incorporated, and that is uh, uh, Judith Judge Judy, Hightower Mills, and Dr. Kimberly Bell, and they have an event coming up on December 2nd at the Seattle Hyatt Regency, and uh, let's start with Judge Judy to talk a little background and history of the Seattle Girlfriends
4: chapter. First, I just want to say it was so good to hear from KL and Reverend Jeffries. I loved, I loved seeing them and hearing them. And I don't know why the video's not working, but I um, guess That's you don't right. need to see me. <laughs> so good afternoon, Eddie, and thank you for having us on the show today. Uh, girlfriend, Dr. Kimberly Bell, and I are here this afternoon to share with you and your listeners a little information about the girlfriends, our upcoming Paint the Town Red party. A little history. In 1927 in New York, during the Harlem Renaissance, Eunice Shreves invited three of her friends over for a pot of stew due to her desire to maintain their friendship after college. They eventually expanded their gatherings, adopting the name Girlfriends from a popular song of the time and incorporated in 1938 under the guidance of boyfriend Thurgood Marshall. Today, there are 48 chapters in 30 states with about 1,900 members. And girlfriend, Kimberly is going to tell us a little more about the Seattle chapter.
5: Yes, so in 1995, Linda Gillis returned to Seattle from Albany where she had been a member of the Albany chapter of the girlfriends. She brought together her Seattle friends and they started a chapter here in Seattle which was inducted in 2006. Today we have 32 members. So the main purpose of Girlfriends is to promote friendship, provide social activities, to perform civic services in our local communities, and to support our national project. Now, although the purpose of Girlfriends was purely social, Girlfriends locally and nationally have expanded. We include charitable organizations, cultural organizations and activity. The National Chapter of Girlfriends, including us, have supported the NAACP, UNCF, Children's Defense Fund, Martin Luther King Foundation, the Smithsonian African-American Museum, the Flint Water Project, and the Innocence Project. Locally, we have contributed to a number of organizations in our area. We have served the Urban League, NAACP, and the Southeast Seattle Center. We also support our national girlfriend fund and they provide scholarships to college students. And as a consequence, we created our own own foundation called the Seattle Girls Empowerment Foundation. And at our PTR this year, our silent auction, all of the funds will go to the Seattle Girls Empowerment Foundation. We are, I'm sorry.
4: Well, I was going to step in here because uh, I wanted them to know, but we really came here to talk to the audience and ask them to join us in stepping out to paint the town red. Uh, finally, after a three-year hiatus due to COVID, we are back to step out in our red gala and celebrate fun and friendship with our friends and community on December second at six p.m. at the Downtown Hyatt Regency. We will celebrate fun and friendship um, at. Uh, Let's see. Oh, and with the dinner dance and live music from Broham. Some of you might be uh, familiar with that band. Our guests will be greeted with a complimentary glass of sparkling wine to start the festivities with a cocktail hour, a photo booth, a silent auction benefiting uh, a local charity. This year, our own scholarship fund. Girlfriend Kimberly, I know you have uh, an announcement about this year's scholarship.
5: Yes. So we have been very fortunate. We've had many people contribute, including 100% of our girlfriends, to the scholarship fund. And we are awarding several scholarships this year. One is for $5,000 to our candidate to the Seattle Girls Fund. And we have eight additional scholarships, each for $1,000 a piece, which will be uh, given away to local students. And we are really excited because it's the most we've ever given.
4: Yes, and so our auction this year, again, will support more scholarships. So tickets are going fast, and the cutoff date for purchasing your tickets is November 24th. So tickets can be per- purchased, I can't talk today, from our website, seattlegirlfriendsinc.org. So all one word, org or through a girlfriend that you know. And you can go to our website and look and see who our members are in case there is somebody you know and you wanna reach out to. So thank you, girlfriend well, Kimberly. Uh,
5: thank uh, you so much, Eddie, for allowing us to make this announcement. Absolutely. And thank you to all the listeners who hopefully will be at our event.
4: Yes, and we look forward and to you the also, opportunity to celebrate uh, with you.
0: Yeah, and uh, Dr. Bell, you also giving us some history about uh, the girlfriends as well. Why don't you finish that? So people understand the uh, the breadth and width of this organization. It's not just Seattle. You said it's in 48 years. No, that's
4: right. I'll give it to you again. So uh, this was founded in 1927. So this is one of the oldest black women's organization in the country. And uh, it started out mostly on the East Coast, but it's expanded now. We have 48 chapters. We're in almost, I think it's about 30 states, and there's 1,900 members. And we come from all walks of life.
5: And I know the that thing, I- Eddie, that's kind of cool, I think, is, of course, Thurgood Marshall, back in the day, actually incorporated us. That's mm-hmm. one thing. And there's a famous artist who was actually at the Fry Museum, Romare Bearden. Yeah. His mother was a girlfriend. And so over the years, there are several... Um, famous people and not so famous people who've been part of the organization and it's been around since the early 30s.
0: Well that's what our people like to hear you know uh some folks hear about the girlfriends but the history is something that people really need to understand because of the fact they will not get that at a community college I know the University of Washington don't have it maybe they still got black studies they might have it included now so uh but uh, it's eight, eight scholarships. Is there like a website address for the Girlfriends Inc.?
3: Yes,
4: it's 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 Seattle Girlfriends Inc dot org. So dot O-R-G.
0: OK, and they can get information about the scholarships, the upcoming events uh, last year. How many scholarships did you guys give away?
5: So this, we are sort of a year behind. So these scholarships this year are for the recipients from last year. And wow. that would be eight, 5000 for one and eight $1,000 scholarships. And people can get
0: information about the scholarships on your website. Yes, does that have to be someone, a girlfriend, actually nominating a potential uh, a student for a potential scholarship.
5: No. no, it is open to the community, to both those seeking four years uh, education, um, vocational and community colleges. They do not have to be affiliated with girlfriends. They just have to fill out the forms, complete the application. And we are always looking for more people from the community to apply.
4: Eddie, let me say this. One of the reasons we started ours, we did such a good job of vetting um, potential uh, scholarship recipients from the Seattle area through the Seattle chapter to the national that for many years we had a lot of success in having our candidates receive the scholarships from the national but we had such you could only do one and we had such good candidates that we decided to do our own fund so we could also offer it to those who we thought were, were deserving and we wanted to help um, uh, but did not make the national cut.
0: And so that's uh, similar to like the NAACP's AXO program. You guys have a national competition as well? Yes. Yes,
5: but it's a little different from AXO in the sense that it's mostly academic that they apply for. And to be honest with you, our national scholarship is very, very competitive. They take the cream of the crop across the country. Our local chapter, while we also support our most competitive candidates from our community, we also look at other factors. Uh, Students who may necessarily be struggling, who may have had some challenges, and we consider those also candidates for our scholarship, which is a little bit different.
4: Also, the National only does scholarships for four-year colleges, whereas we will help at junior college vocational education also.
0: OK, I want to thank both of you guys very much for your time today. And I will see you Saturday, uh, December 2nd, at uh, the Seattle Hyatt Regency. That's so right. Thank Thanks you. so much. Judge Judy and Dr. Kimberly Bell, thank both of you very much for being here. Thank, thank you. Everybody. Love okay, the program. OK, we'll take this break and come right
6: back.
4: <laughs>
6: bye bye. Bye. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend Port Gen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concession at Seattle-Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.cTACShops.com.
7: At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an Orca card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out Orca Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at SoundTransit.org.
6: Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150.
0: I'll be right back at Urban Forum Northwest. My next guest is Congressman Hank Johnson from the 4th Congressional District of the State of Georgia. And he is a ranking member of the U.S. House Judiciary Committee. As a matter of fact, next year he'll be the chair. Well, I'll say he'll be the chair next year. But anyway, Congressman Johnson, thank you very much for taking your time out. And uh, I understand that uh, the people on the other side of the aisle left a few days ago. So uh, once uh, we got... uh, uh, the government open until what? January now?
8: Yeah, uh, passed a uh, continuing resolution to keep uh, one half of the government open until January the nineteenth, and the other half will be open until February second. And so during those time periods, uh, you know what what our job is as a Congress is to come up with a uh, a full year spending bill. Of course, the fiscal year began on October the 1st, so already a couple of months late. Uh, But we need to come together and pass a spending bill uh, uh, for the rest of the year and then start working on uh, 2025 uh, fiscal year.
0: 2024, I'm sorry. So wait
8: a minute. We'll be working on 2024 fiscal year next year, this year
0: so we understand looking at the numbers i see that the democrats got uh the new speaker across the finish line with uh with the bill uh for funding the government and i'm just wondering do you think that uh he'll see see the same fate as kevin mccarthy for having democrats support the people uh, in the country by passing the spending bill
8: yeah so the new speaker speaker uh johnson uh has done exactly what uh Speaker McCarthy did, and Speaker McCarthy put in a continuing resolution bill that he knew he needed, that he knew that would not pass without Democrat support. And so he broke the rule of putting forward a bill where only Republicans are needed to pass it. He couldn't come up with one, and so therefore he reverted to one that needed Democrats And that's the exact same thing that uh, Speaker Mike Johnson has done also. But uh, the thing that saves Mike Johnson is the fact that it took three weeks to elect a new speaker. uh, Mm -hmm. And they don't want to go back through that again. It was an ugly uh, time of complete chaos and dysfunction, much like the first week of uh, this session where it took 15 votes to elect Speaker McCarthy to finally uh, arrive at him as the speaker, and then you put him out nine months later and it takes you three weeks to elect another speaker, uh, they don't want to go back through that again. And so it gives the new speaker uh, more leeway than uh, than uh, the old speaker. So I think that, that that's positive. Uh, for For the future and, and the fact that we are rapidly approaching the election year and folks turn their attention to getting reelected and so you don 't want to have ugly situations taking place like government shutdowns and elections of speakers after a speaker after a speaker is put out of uh, their office yeah they don 't want to do that again i don 't think. But you, I couldn't put anything past them, though, because a lot of them are not thinking reasonably.
0: Exactly. Now, one of the major topics has been uh, uh, the unethical conduct of certain Supreme Court justices. And uh, you being an attorney and a ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee have put forth the Supreme Court Ethics Recusal and Transparency Act. Uh, can you explain to our listeners exactly what your legislation intends to do.
8: Yeah, what that legislation would do uh, would be to force the Supreme Court to do what it did this week, which is to um, impose upon itself a code of conduct. And uh, that bill also would require within that code of conduct a mechanism for hearing complaints against justices for violating uh, the code of conduct, and so no such provision is in the the code of conduct that the uh, Supreme Court imposed upon itself, and that's why we need to move forward with uh, uh, passing the Cert Act, the Supreme Court Ethics Recusal and Transparency Act, so that we will have a mechanism in place whereby people can file complaints against justices for violating the the rules and um, and and to have uh, a uh, independent adjudication of the complaint can't have the court being its own judge and jury of of its own members so you need an independent uh, body to be able to do that um, and that's one of the things that uh, is not in this code of conduct that the court uh, imposed upon itself. It was a good first step, but woefully inadequate to 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 meet the need that the people have for the court to be accountable to the people instead of being accountable to big money interests uh, that have been whining, whining and dining these justices for, for decades. It's not right, and it needs to end. And I don't think this current uh, code that the court put forward is is enough to end the abuse. So passage of the CERT Act is is required to get that done. And the CERT Act also uh, gets at the issue of um, amicus briefs and the fact that you have, like, one funding source that spends millions of dollars a year on a number of organizations that appear to be independent, but they're actually all funded by one or two entities. And those organizations present or prepare briefs on issues that, uh, uh, that the court is hearing. And when you get bombarded, when the court gets bombarded with uh, 30, 40, 50 briefs trying to convince the court of the same uh, principle, uh, you know, using the same principle and arriving at the same result, you're trying to convince the court to rule this particular way, and you've got 30 or 40 outside organizations arguing for that, then that can be persuasive on the court. But if it's only... Two people or one person funding all thirty or forty entities, then uh, the court can see and the public can see uh, what kind of influence is being asserted and how valid that influence is and um, so some reforms on uh, on um, uh, the filing of uh, of amicus briefs before the court is something that the cert Act also deals with and so you know when it comes down to taking uh, private jet travel and recusing yourself uh, from cases where uh, you have those kinds of relationships with uh, with folks you as a justice you're entitled to have friends you can have some good good well-heeled friends but if that friend has a case before you, you need to recuse yourself. And this current code that the court filed uh, or that the court has imposed on itself deals with the issue of recusals by maintaining the status quo. It it really does not compel a justice to have to recuse, but it, it pretty much insulates the justices from recusing. So it leaves in place the abuse that has already been happening, and uh, the CERT Act uh, would uh, passage of the CERT Act would um, would alleviate this problem that the court has for itself, which it refuses and fails to address. So we need to press forward with passage of the CERT Act in the in the House and through the Senate and uh, get it signed into law.
0: Well, you know, Congressman, I want to shift uh, the, the scope for uh, the conversation right quick. Uh, there was a federal complaint file signed by 22 individuals and organizations in Washington state, African-Americans, uh, looking at not alleging discrimination, but the state proved it with its own numbers. And for whatever reason, Merrick Garland, and we got a letter from Christine Clark, like yesterday, saying, we sent your stuff to DOJ. Well, Uh, The letter, I think you might have saw it from Congressman Benny Thompson, had attached the state's uh, performance for 2021, where it showed that African-American-owned businesses received 0.18%. Had nothing to do with DOJ. Uh, A a year later, Governor Jay Inslee signed an executive order, January 2022. At the end of 2022, African-American businesses received 0.22%. And for whatever reason... Uh, That was sent to DOJ, and what my colleagues are asking, is it possible for you and Congressman Bobby Scott, who is a ranking member for House Education and Labor Committee, to have a hearing? Because we're not being treated fairly by the Justice Department. Uh, They're just uh, sending things around. We have proof of the discrimination. The numbers don't lie. But why would they send uh, something pertaining to various state agencies, have nothing to do with DOJ, to DOJ? We're having a hard time trying to figure that out, and I'm really disappointed in mary Garland. I'm have to tell you the truth, because he's doing us the same way Ed Bloom and Stephen Miller's doing us. He's doing the same thing they're doing. Uh, to hell with black people in this country and any prospects of them getting fair justice in this country. And uh, uh we will be requesting a hearing, and hopefully. Uh, you can call our national president, Wendell Stemley, and our Washington State chapter president, Barb Armstead, and others uh, for a meeting because we can't let this go. Right now, we have all this money coming through. Washington State had no affirmative action for 23 years. As a matter of fact, uh, just two, three weeks ago, uh, a large contractor called a meeting with black truckers. It was 10 of them there plus a couple of other women-owned firms. And when they finished the meeting, the contract they were meeting by had already been awarded and and uh, they let, well, we're, we're looking to talk about the future, but they hired this black consulting firm to call these people together to let them know. Uh, and uh, so one uh, individual, uh, the owned Washington State Sand and Gravel, says, well, how come this contract this wasn't put out for bid? Or it was said, No, it wasn't. As it turns out, the same guy that has $300 million worth of trucking contracts have all 10 black truckers sitting at home, and uh, we can't get no justice from the Justice Department. And then they're going to say everything, all the discrimination. We got all the proof, the numbers don't lie, and they continue to send Kristen Clark and, and I'm probably the direction of Merrick Garland sends our complaint over to the over to the Department of Transportation. Department of Transportation have nothing to do with the Department of Enterprise Services and other state agencies where we're doing zero point two two percent. How can we get justice when we got a Justice Department led by Merrick Garland? That, like i said treats us like stephen miller and ed bloom and just pretty much saying the hell with black folks that's what i'm hearing and i would expect this from another administration and i'm certainly hoping that the members of the congressional black caucus will pave an avenue for us to be able to at least present our uh issues before a hearing before the u.s congress
8: well i tell you when democrats retake control of the uh house if we can do that uh In the 2024 elections, then we will have gavels and we will have the ability to um, to have hearings on issues such as affirmative action in business. But, you know, I think this country has been on a um, this country established affirmative action uh, to bring equity to black businesses that have been shut out of the mainstream due to the legacy of slavery and Jim Crowism in this country. And those uh, doors were, the programs were put in place and they operated for a couple of years, never were able to get mature because uh, there was always impediments uh, raised in the courts. And so what we have now is the most extreme right-wing court that has been in place uh then uh I, I don't know when's the last time we had such a court as uh such as the one that we have here that is as right-wing anti-affirmative action anti-people of color anti-women anti-right to vote uh
0: Congressman uh, Johnson in Washington kind of State, the Democrats term. are in charge. Well, the Democrats are in charge in this state, and this law. is happening.
8: You, this is happening. With, you're dealing with equal protection under the law, which is in the U.S. Constitution, and that's what Ed Bloom and folks like that are arguing, and have been successful at gutting affirmative action. Actually getting affirmative action in higher education ruled as uh, against uh, the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And so next up is uh, any any program that identifies black people for a set-aside. That is no longer... Uh, something that uh, the law allows for in this country, if if it's going to be consistent with the the ruling that came out this summer on uh, affirmative action in education, and so people are not wanting to file lawsuits that send up a case that's right to be decided by the court to overrule affirmative action in government contracting. But one way or the other, that's what Ed Bloom and folks like him are setting up to happen. So Mary Garland what we is right with have him. To that's all what say. we have to do is uh, expand the court and put in some term limits, which is also legislation that I'm pushing.
1: That's
0: great. In addition great. to well, ethics. Thomas, let me ask you we before have we have to go.
8: we got to have a court that's when do you guys accountable and for accountable to us.
0: When, when do you reconvene?
8: Uh, when does Congress reconvene? Yeah, after Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, we we've got uh, it'll be Monday, It'll be the Monday after uh, Monday or Tuesday after Thanksgiving.
0: Okay, well, sir, then I we want to thank you very much for today, and I'm going to send you this information anyway. I was under the impression that a ranking member could call a hearing, call witnesses on situations, no, but i stand no, to correct corrected on have, that.
8: Yeah, we don't okay. have any control over what uh the committees do we we play in defense
0: okay well sir thank you very much today give my regards to the county commissioner that's your wife and uh i look forward to I look forward to seeing you guys soon
8: i will do so and you give uh, my regards to your lovely bride and have a merry thanksgiving
0: you too sir thank you very much thank you okay Eric, we're going to take this last break and come back with uh, Reginald Robinson of to Louisiana, Seasoning and Spices in a minute.
6: Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, Visit
7: lease.ctaxshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an Orca card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out Orca Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at SoundTransit.org.
6: Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk, 1150.
0: All right, Bryant right back at Urban Point Northwest. I want to thank the Seattle's Purchase and Construction Services Department, the Port of Seattle Diversity Contracting Office, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, the SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. My next and last guest is Reginald Robinson, owner of Alta's Louisiana seasoning and spices. And uh he's gonna tell us what he has in the store for Thanksgiving. So Reg, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Let our folks know what they can pick up if they come out to Alter Seafood and Seasoning.
9: Yes, sir. How you doing, Mr. Eddie? Just But right, yeah, all right. Hey, uh so I'm gonna be brief and quick and stuff. But yeah, what we we just actually speaking of that, we just unloaded a truck a few minutes ago that came up from Louisiana with a lot of our products on that stuff. we getting ready to start selling the new uh, uh, whole catfishes. Um, we got gumbo, we got gumbo, we got red beans and rice, we got all kinds of seasons, everything you need for your uh, Thanksgiving meal and stuff. So, so, yeah, we excited about this new year um, and just doing what we do.
0: And you said gumbo and gum what?
9: Gumbo. And let me explain that to you. Go Can ahead.
0: <laughs> so
9: what I'm, from, I'm from Shreveport.
0: Is... I'm not from Lafayette or New Orleans. Exactly.
9: And so what? I'm from New Orleans, but hey, here's what the deal is. I just created this stuff, and it's called Gombo. What we do, we make gumbo, and then we mix boudin in it. And so what I did, I took the first three letters off of gumbo, and the first three letters off of boudin, and we mixed it, and I combined them together, and it come up with Gombo. Uh, we sell it in the store. We do about 25 gallons a day, um, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays in the store. And then now we are starting to sell it frozen in a container so you can take it home and eat it also. So yeah, it's called gumbo. It's not mistaken, it ain't, uh, it's called gumbo.
0: <laughs> okay, and then I know you get shrimp and shrimp and grits and they're frozen too, you can take that home, right?
9: Yes, sir, we got grits and shrimp uh, with bacon in them. We got mac and cheese with shrimp. We got Alfredo with shrimp. Just different things that we bring from back home and stuff, and uh, you know, just getting people acquainted with it out here in the northwest and stuff. We going on eight years here in Seattle in Kent and stuff, so really excited about some new things that we are getting ready to come up with uh, the first of the year and stuff like that. So,
0: and in Kent, you guys are located at uh, two
9: hundred one, yeah, two hundred one East Meeker Street,
0: right? And uh, yeah, that's that's right in Kent now. Uh, you also, uh, people, you have Gator Filet there. Tell us about that.
9: So Gator Filet, I mean, back in the days, man, we was growing up in New Orleans, man. A gator was, Alligator was about, man, I don't know, maybe 20 cents, 30 cents a pound. Now get, Alligator is like, uh, like 20-something dollars a pound. And the reason for that, they created this TV show where they go out and catch these Gators. And so when people started seeing that, man, and they just, people just started going crazy. And Now gator is just outraged, expensive and stuff. So, but yeah, it's a filet and basically what you do, you take that filet and you thaw it out, you uh, batter it up, put some seasoning on it and batter it up and drop it in some grease. It's kind of like cooking shrimp. You don't cook it long, maybe five or six minutes or so. Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, you guys been out there for eight years uh, on at on the corner of Second and Meeker. Uh, what yeah. other products do you have out there that people can come in and get?
9: Uh, we got field peas. We got some crowder peas. We got hoghead cheese. Uh, youngsters probably don't know nothing about no hoghead cheese, but the older crowd, man, they love it, man. <laughs> and probably none of them don't need it because of blood pressure issues, but <laughs> but they love it, you know. And so, and then we got stuffed chicken, turduckins. Uh we got stuffed pork chops, um, greens, turnips, mustards, collards, all that different stuff that's from the south that what well, you know, you grew up eating that stuff. You know what it's all about.
0: Yeah, well, some of us we didn't have no gator, but we had everything else you meant, everything else you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now in terms yeah. of uh the stuff that you have, like now the, the greens and stuff like that, are they frozen? Are they fresh? Or do you just uh cause I'm I'm I like to have stuff in the freezer so I can go and drop stuff when I w- wanna eat. A variety of meals so uh the greens are already prepared and frozen or what
9: yeah the greens they come in like uh two pound bags and stuff and uh they already cut up cleaned and everything basically all you do is cut cut the bag go put some water in your pot throw them in there put some seasoned turkey necks uh shanks whatever you're cooking with them and you let them go it's pretty uh you know pretty easy to do and stuff you
0: know okay well i'm gonna encourage uh all the folks that's listening in And this program will be repeated, too, so they'll hear you for the next week. And then you'll be on my website. But people go to Alexa, they can hear the Reginald Robinson interview and find out what's what's at Alta's uh, Louisiana Seasoning and and Spices. Uh, They can hear all that again. So, Reginald, thank you very much, man. I'm going to come out there and get something real soon. I know that. So thank you very much for your time today. And like I said, uh, I'll be seeing you soon because I'm going to be out there to pick some of that stuff up.
9: Yes, sir. And I appreciate you and your family and stuff. And, uh, you know, y'all have a wonderful Thanksgiving.
0: Okay, you do You the same, You and you're in your family as well. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. I just want to thank uh, Roberto Jordan from the Royal Esquire Club, K.L. Shannon, the Vice Chair of the Seattle King County, Martin King Jr. Organizing Coalition, Judge Judy and Dr. Bell, and Reginald Robinson and Eddie Rye. We'll be talking with you again on Urban Forum next week. Next week. We have a, a Thanksgiving Day special.